Yes, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, speaking of, of being awake, I, that part wasn't planned. This part is planned. How'd you sleep last night? Okay, good. Some goods. Okay. How'd you sleep last night? Everyone in the room, I'm sure, just always sleeps totally great all through the night, never wakes up, no problems, right? Is that how you sleep? All the time, every day of the week? I'm sure you, this, I'm sure no one ever lies awake at night around here. <laughs> hmm, not met with, you know, total agreement there. What keeps you awake? If there's times when you're lying awake, think for a second about what, what keeps you awake. What was the latest thing? What was this last night or this past week or something this month that kept you awake? What's going on in your life that comes to mind when I ask that? And of course, I know it's not just at night. I just think of that because I know that I, I, there's things in life that cause me to lie awake at night at times or to not be able to go back to sleep and have the mind run and sometimes the mind run in not so healthy ways. And I know it's not just at night. In fact, just this morning, something came to my attention that could easily mm, bog me down, be heavy on my heart, be a, a punch in the gut. Or I, I recognize the big picture. I look to Jesus um, but what is it that keeps you awake? Ooh, perfect. Perfect transition. Someone said worry, yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, when you, when you find yourself lying awake at night, what are you doing? Just thinking about it casually? Just reviewing facts in your mind? Is that all you're doing when you're lying awake thinking about something? Or is there more going on there? Listen to this quote I came across this week as I studied. Just, just listen. We can experience peace in the face of the unknown. We can feel an inner well-being while living in the middle of mystery. Why? Because our peace of heart does not rest on how much we know. Sometimes are we trying to know it all? Our peace of heart does not rest on how much we know, how much we have figured it out, or how accurately we have been able to predict the future. No, our rest is in the person who holds our individual futures in his wise and gracious hands. I hope you heard that, church family. We can experience peace in the face of the unknown. And our rest isn't, isn't in what's spinning through my mind and what I'm figuring out and manipulating the facts and trying to manufacture the outcome and worry and have anxiety over things that haven't even happened yet or things I don't even know to be true yet. That quote says our rest is in the person who is not in us in the figuring those things out. It's in the person who holds our individual futures in his wise and gracious hands. Jesus is king. He reigns. He is faithful. The gospel is the spectacular what? Good news. The gospel is the spectacular good news that God rescues who? Sinners like you and me. How does he do it? Through the 
life, death, and resurrection of who? Of Jesus. The gospel is the spectacular good news that God rescues sinners through Jesus. And as God rescues sinners and puts us back in relationship with a holy and perfect God, as he forgives our sin and connects us to God and adopts us into his family. And then in recent weeks, we've been using this language that, that saved by grace, as we put our trust in Jesus, as we come to the end of ourselves that we can't save ourselves and we submit ourselves to Jesus as master, as we follow Jesus, as we become uh, a Christian, We've been using this language in recent weeks that we become a citizen of God's kingdom, that, that Jesus' kingdom is, is at hand, it is unfolding, and it will be completed someday, and God saving us into his family has given us the opportunity to be citizens of his kingdom. And so we're in this series that we've entitled Kingdom Life, and I want to say this, this is on the screen, by the grace of God, through the work of of Jesus and the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, kingdom citizens live kingdom lives. Our series is called Kingdom Life, and we're asking God, what is, what is your word, what does Jesus' teaching have to do with me and the way I live my life? As a citizen of God's kingdom, there, is to be, there should be an impact on the way I live. The reality of Jesus' kingdom being here now and unfolding and completed in the future when he returns, that reality, his kingdom reign, means that kingdom reign details should work themselves out in my life. As a follower of Jesus, his kingdom reign means that there should be implications for the way I live, the way I talk, the way I act, the things I do. And so we're asking in this series, God, show us what a kingdom life looks like. And by the grace of God and by the work of Jesus and by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit in us, help us to live increasingly these, these kingdom lives of kingdom citizens. So grab your Bible, open to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll start at verse 25 in a moment. You know, sometimes I say, I love it when you bring your Bibles. And sometimes I say, yeah, you can also get out your device and open your Bible app. But you know what I want you to know? I want you to know that second option, getting out your device and opening your Bible app, it's like a far distant second place <laughs> to getting your Bible out and having it on your lap and using your pen to mark it up if you want, and to put your finger in God's text and make sure that who we're hearing from is God himself through his word. We'd love you to bring your Bible. If you want to know what I'm preaching from, it's a translation called the ESV, the English Standard Version, if you want to get yourself a copy. If you can't get yourself a copy, talk to us. We want to give you a copy that you can bring to church and open your Bibles and study it with us. Okay, so turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to start reading at 25, verse 25. Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. Our Kingdom Life series is taking us through the Sermon on the Mount, this very um, famous section of teaching of Jesus. Matthew 6, verse 25, Jesus speaking. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. That's it. That's the scripture for today. Got it. Done. No problem. We can apply that, right? Kidding. Not done. Not that easily applied, right? So what's the context, though? Here's the cheesy saying, but I still think it's helpful. When you see the word therefore, what's the question we could ask? What's the therefore, therefore? Anytime we see a therefore, 
we should want to know the context of this verse. Instead of just picking up in this passage where, where Jesus says, don't be anxious, don't worry. I want to back up a little bit to see why the, what the therefore is there for. So look back at verse 24. We could look back at the whole passage that we taught last Sunday, but for the sake of today, look at verse 24. No one, Jesus says, can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. For those, of us, or for those of you that were with us last Sunday, as we taught that previous section of scripture, the emphasis that we asked God to kind of help us work through last Sunday was this, that Jesus calls his followers to choose their master. And it's, and it's God or money. Which one is it gonna be? Is money and wealth and possessions gonna push Jesus off the throne of our life and be an idol in our life and be our master and, our, and have control over us as we seek wealth and try to provide for ourselves? Or are we gonna keep Jesus on the throne of our life and choose Jesus as master? And so we, we see that in verse 24 that you cannot serve both God and money. And then, you know, hopefully you followers of Jesus are going, okay, I choose Jesus. I, don't, I can't serve two masters. I don't want to have the idolatry of wealth and possessions, so I choose Jesus. I, I, I won't store up my treasure here on earth. I'll ask God to help me store up treasure in heaven, invest my life in things that matter. We want that. Do we want, do we want to say that? Do we want that to be true of our lives? And so we say, I won't store it up on earth. I'll store up treasure in heaven. But then here's what our tendency might be to do. Is my, but... But what, about, but what about that? I'll store up my treasure in heaven. I want to seek first the kingdom of God. I want to submit my life to Jesus. But who's going to take care of the stuff and the needs and the bills and the income and the things that stress me out? What, what, what about my daily needs? And so let's keep going in the passage. Back to verse 25. Jesus speaking. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what clothes you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? If we choose, look at how this works. If we choose Jesus as master, this is kind of rough to absorb. If we choose Jesus as master, there is no reason to be anxious. Now, if we've chosen wealth, earthly treasures, possessions, material wealth, if we've chosen the idol of wealth to be our master, now we think we need to provide, we think we've got to earn, we think we've got to find a way to survive, we think we've got to find a way to keep up with the Joneses, and what does that induce in me? Anxiety. It's stressful trying to, trying to live with the idol of wealth. And so if wealth and possessions are our master, then, then life, we think life is up to us and, and we're anxious. But if we choose Jesus as master, there's no reason to be anxious is what this passage is saying. Now, I think you'll probably relate to this. There are, there are times, there are probably times in life, circumstances, situations, where, it's a, where, where we might be engaged in, let's call it, appropriate worry. <laughs> Or maybe we should just take the word worry out of there, right? There's times when circumstances might call for good concern, good care, thoughtful intentionality, thinking things through, asking God for help. 
So it's not that, it's not that there's never times for us to, to be thoughtful and, and concerned about something and careful, but, but what is Jesus cautioning against here? Worry or anxiety that is self-centered in nature. So, so when I'm worried and I'm, and I'm laying awake and the, and the mind is spinning and it's self-centered because it's about me and my comfort and convenience and what I'd prefer and what would be best for me, and if, and if my worry and anxiety is rooted in a lack of trust in God, that's what Jesus is after. If my worry is rooted in a lack of trust in the God who is the provider of our needs, then that's what Jesus is, is, is working you know, to caution us against. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Jesus not only calls us then, as last week's passage was the emphasis, Jesus not only calls us then to choose our master, money, or God, but in this passage, Jesus uh, calls his followers to choose our approach to life. First, we choose our master. Is it God or money? I mean, sorry, is it, yeah, is it God or money? And now in this passage, Jesus has another challenge. He's calling us to choose our approach to life, our, our outlook on life. Our, how are we going to live? Are we going to live by faith or by worry? He's asking us to choose, our, you know, another way of looking at it might be in this passage today, he's asking us to choose our provider. Who's going to provide Who's going to bring me what I need? My worry? Or a faithful God? We said this last week. We'll put it up again. Discipleship to Jesus. Submitting ourselves to Jesus. Walking with Jesus. Being followers of Jesus will transform us to be the kind of people that live by faith. Instead of being dominated by worry. And people that do not trust in money but trust in Jesus as master. So then as the passage continues, he's really just giving some more examples. Jesus gives some examples to show even more why we don't have to be anxious. Why, when you choose Jesus as master, when you submit to him, why, why don't we have to, we should see why we won't have to worry. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air, Okay, now picture Jesus teaching. You're there. 2,000 years ago, you're among his followers. You're outside. You're on a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, perhaps. Okay, put yourself there. These aren't just words that you've read before and they go in one ear and out the other. We're, we're disciples of Jesus. We're there on the hillside on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus is speaking, the Son of God, the rescuer of the universe, the one who brings life, the one who teaches with an authority that no one has ever seen before is speaking these incredible words to you this morning, Faith Church. Are you with me? And here's what he says. Look at the birds of the air. They, they don't sow or reap, or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not of more, are you not of more value than they? Yes, we, the answer to that is, the implied answer to that is yes, we, followers of Jesus, human being followers of Jesus, are of more value than the animals. Are animals significant? Sure, they're among God's creation. They're beautiful. It's amazing, part of God's creation. But here we go, What do we know about human beings? That we are made in the image of God, that human beings have been given dominion over animals, that it's it's human beings 
that are the recipients of God's love, God's grace, and God's rescue plan, sending Jesus into the world to live, die, and be raised again, we are the recipients of that. We are of more value than the birds of the air. So, these, so our disciples are, we as disciples are looking around as Jesus is teaching, and we see the birds, and we see that they don't need to have a tractor and a barn and a storehouse. And Jesus feeds them. And we're of more value than they. So, so what does Jesus mean here? Well, don't, don't run to an extreme. Jesus is not saying that we should be indifferent or lazy. Think about what birds do do. Not do do. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Let's just turn off the live stream now and go home. Wow, that was... I couldn't have done that if I, I couldn't have planned that if I tried. Think about what birds do. They, they build nests, search for food, feed their young. Birds do what birds do. It's not that they're lazy or indifferent, but ultimately at the end of the day, who provides for them? God. And so like the birds, we, as we live for Jesus, as we make him master, as we trust his ways, as you and I obey Jesus, as we ask for his help to increasingly live for him, as we do what we are to do, God is faithful. And God is the one at the end of the day that provides, that fulfills his promises to his people. Is that good news? Verse 27. This is a great verse to think about a little bit. And which of you, church family, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Okay, who who determines the beginning and the end of our days? God. The God of the universe knows and has determined and is the only one in charge of the beginning and the end of our earthly days. So who of you, by worrying, thinks you're going to add an hour? But we do, right? We worry, thinking that I can manipulate the circumstances. I might be able to control the outcome. I might be able to buy myself some time. I might be able to work things out for myself. Worrying won't fix things, won't change the outcome. Sleepless worry cannot extend our life. Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the, again, where are we? Jesus followers, 2,000 years ago. Let's just put ourselves there for fun. We're on this hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. We're in some incredible area of, of God's promised land. Consider the lilies of the field, Jesus says, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these lilies, like one of these flowers. So here we are on the hillside with Jesus, surrounded by beautiful flowers. And and he refers to Solomon, King Solomon, whose wealth, King Solomon's incredible wealth poured into his uh, wardrobe probably made him look pretty spiffy. Depending on his wealth, Solomon probably looked pretty good. And yet, 
Jesus is saying, it's nothing compared to the beauty of these flowers that God has made. And then verse 30 says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, if he, if he clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, the grass is a biblical, uh, there's, a, there's a frequent um, use of, of, of grass in the Bible as a metaphor for human frailty, for, for our human frailty and, and transience. And, and here one day and gone the next, this, these grasses grow and the next day they're cut and dried and thrown into the fire for kindling. And so Jesus is saying, hey, if God clothes the grass, if he's got care and concern and he provides for the grass... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Not saying to his followers they had no faith, just saying their faith was deficient. They, they, could have, they needed more faith to trust that, that if God was going to provide for the, the, the birds of the air and if God was going to clothe the lilies of the field, won't he take care of us too? Verse 31 ends up being kind of a recap of the passage because Jesus says yet again, do not be anxious. Verse 31, do not be anxious saying, what should we eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. That's a good one to catch, that your heavenly Father knows what you need. We can run around asking all these questions. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Or we can recognize that our Heavenly Father knows our needs. So Jesus says, do not be anxious. And I mean, and I, I joked earlier saying, okay, done. No problem. Yeah, got it. I won't be anxious anymore. Okay, well, if it's not that easy, then let's think just a little bit more about this. If, if Jesus is urging us to not be anxious, if sleepless worry is not the way to go, if lying awake at night is not going to add an hour to our life, then what? Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, what things? The things he's just been talking about, food and drink and clothing and our basic daily needs will be added to you. The more you and I make the kingdom of heaven central to our daily priorities, what, is, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? The more you and I make the kingdom our priority, the more we order our lives around God and his kingdom and his ways. The more we make the kingdom of heaven central to our life, our ongoing daily continuing activities, all the things we do and are involved in and people and spheres of influence and places we go and things we do and things we say, if we make central to that, if we make it a daily priority to seek first God's kingdom, to recognize that the kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus said, it's here, it's unfolding, and yes, it will be completed and fulfilled someday when I return. And if we live in the reality that Jesus is king, that he reigns, that we are citizens of the kingdom, that if we live in that reality, then we will have kingdom lives 
that are shaped, that are impacted, that are changed as citizens of the kingdom. If we live in the reality that Jesus is king and that he reigns over all and that we are citizens of his kingdom, we will live kingdom lives that are ordered and directed and guided and impacted by Jesus' work in our life. Verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When followers, um, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have given your life to him, if you have come to the end of yourself and given your life to Jesus as Savior, as Master, as Lord of your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, when we pursue God, when we pursue his kingdom, when, when we pursue and desire his way of life to be the way we live, then all these things will be added to you. All these things that we worry about, that we, that we think we, that we have as daily needs, all these, things will be, all these needs will be met by our loving, in heaven, uh, our loving Father in heaven. The Master, the Master, King Jesus, will take care of your basic needs, church family. Will take care of your basic needs so that this is great, so that you can seek first the kingdom. Jesus, your master, when we, as we submit to him, as we live for him, as we recognize that we are citizens of the kingdom and that he wants to work in us to give us kingdom lives, he will take care of our basic needs so that we can seek first the kingdom. In other words, he will take care of your basic needs so that you can focus on what matters, on what's most important on submitting your life to God and on living for him. So then verse 34 begins to wrap things up. Therefore, yet again, what does Jesus say yet again? This is at least the third time in this passage. Verse 34, what does he say? Do not be anxious. Yeah, the therefore again, and, and do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That trans, those, that's the way that this translation says those words. I mean, what are the phrases that come to mind when we see those verses? The phrases that come to mind probably will be like, tomorrow will worry about itself, right? That each day has enough trouble of its own. What's going on here? Jesus says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's go back for just a minute before we close. Let's go back for just a minute. What did I ask you to think of at the very beginning? I got up here and said, what keeps you awake at night? What's been going on in your life that's causing stress and worry? Let it come to mind again. If there's something in your life this morning or this past week or these past couple months, what is it that's bubbling up inside of you? What is it that keeps you awake at night? What, what is it that's running through your mind in, in potentially unhealthy ways, thinking and reviewing and worrying and manufacturing and manipulating. What is it that's bothering you? What do you lie there worried about? Has the Lord brought it to mind? Then take that thing that you're thinking about that could, that, that could be an obsession, that could be a cause of inappropriate 
worry that could be rooted in self-centeredness and could be rooted in a lack of trust in our providing God, take that thing that you're worried about that's, that's keeping you awake and apply these words. This is a quote from a commentator that I read this week based on verse 34 that's on the screen. Meet today's problems, church family, with today's strength. Don't start tackling tomorrow's problems until tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow's strength yet. You simply have enough for today. Let me read that one more time. Thinking about what it is that's on your mind, that's keeping you awake, that's causing stress, that by worrying about it, you're hoping you can add an hour to your life. Apply these words. Meet today's problems with today's strength from the Lord. Don't start tackling tomorrow's problems until tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow's strength yet. You simply have enough for today. Church family, Jesus calls you to choose your master, either God or wealth. This morning, Jesus calls us to choose our approach to life, our outlook on life. Are we gonna live by faith or by worry? Another way of putting it is that today, Jesus calls us to choose our provider. Who provides? Who meets our needs? Choose your master, choose your provider. Is it worry, sleepless worry, or is it trusting our faithful God? Jesus is king. He reigns. He is with you. He is good. He is faithful. Let's rest in him, living as citizens of the kingdom. And ask him to work out in us, transform us, so that in all that we do and say, we would be living out kingdom lives for the glory of Jesus. Father in heaven, thank you for your love for us. We thank you for an opportunity to study your word this morning. And with the things that we've been talking about these last few minutes, we need your help. We need you to help us to not be anxious. We need you to teach us to leave tomorrow's worries for tomorrow. We need you to show us how we can depend and rely on the strength that you give us each day and that the strength that you give us each day, that your grace is sufficient for us. That we don't add anything to our life, that we don't manufacture outcomes or manipulate circumstances by our worrying, but God, teach us to submit ourselves to you as master and to recognize that with you as master, with you as Lord, with you reigning over all things in your kingdom that we don't have anything to worry about. God, would that just be increasingly true of each of us as we learn to walk with you? Father, we thank you for your son. I just pray that this news would never get old. That no matter how many times we look to or read it in our Bibles or come here on Sundays, God, I pray that this news would never get old. That you sent your son to rescue us. That he lived the life that we cannot live. That he died the death we deserve. That he was raised again from the dead to new life. And the fact that Jesus has new life shows us that we too can have life meaningful, rich, full, abundant life now. Not perfect, not, 
Not that all of our circumstances will be fixed, but that you give us life now because we have Jesus to go through life with and that you bring life eternal as well. God, thank you for rescuing us through Jesus. Thanks for bringing us into your family. Help us to live as citizens of your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.